Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. So, I need a, I'm going to be that awkward preacher guy, yes, but can we all stand again? Sorry about that. Michelle's on track already. Uh, first thing I want to do is I'm going to read our, our passage for this morning of where we're, what we're looking at. Uh, and then you all have to do something for me and for each other, okay? So the, the passage that we're looking at this morning, and we won't be long, is second, uh, Acts again, second book of Acts. Uh, we were looking at it last week about how the Holy Spirit came. The people were in the upper room, they were of one of mine and one accord, and the Holy Spirit came and he moved in power and wind and fire, and the people around could understand the, the people, the disciples, the apostles in their own language, and Peter preached, and over 3,000 people were out of the church, and we pick it up immediately after that, and in, in just verse 42, just a few verses, where it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, a deep sense of awe over, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals in great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. Um, so this week, um, we, we had a bit of a crazy thing happening in our street. We got snowed in for the first time in I don't know how long. We live way up, as far as you can go up the Crumlin Road, just before you come to the mountain, uh, the Horseshoe Bend, we're right up there, and we got snowed in. Truth be told, and I am confessing this in front of everyone because confession is good for the soul. Elizabeth was first out and she says, no one's getting down that hill. And I was like, ah, come on, we on about woman. You know, watch, watch the men do it. And then I realized nobody was getting down the hill. Someone went pinball off all the cars the whole way down. We couldn't move. And do you know what I began to realize? As everybody began to walk out of their houses, we started to talk for the first time in like forever. Like we've been there, has it ever happened to you whenever something like this is happening in the street, the power goes out or you get snowed in or something happens and you begin talking to your neighbours and you start thinking, all right, I haven't really had a proper conversation with you as you're trying to dig someone out of a snowdrift. Um, so what I want you to do this morning is super awkward, but we're all people and we're all, Belf- most of us are Belfast people, woohoo. Um, if not, you're in the best city in the world, don't worry. What I would love you to do is take literally two minutes, Okay. Relax. This is church, but not as you know it. And go and walk from this side of the room to that side of the room. This side of the room to that side of the room. And just say, how you doing? How was your week? It's so good to see you this morning. You look unbelievably amazing this morning. If you're a single guy, this is your opportunity to take that moment and seize it and go after that girl that you've got your eye on. Go. Chaos. Brilliant. So the, the title of um, this morning's uh, talk, sermon, whatever way you want to look at it, uh, for those of you who, who are new and visiting, we want to welcome you again. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Spud. Um, I'm part of 
the furniture probably you would say around here. But it's great to have you here. We're partnering with five, uh, four other churches in Belfast, um, uh, Newton Peter Baptist, CFC, and on the Belmont Road there. We've also got uh, Willowfield Church of Ireland and Orangefield Presbyterian. And we're doing 100 days of prayer, 100 days of partnering with each other to pray for an awakening in us as believers and an awakening in our city, which we're on now, and in March we're heading into an awakening in our land. Um, and you join us this week where we're looking at this particular passage. The passage in my Bible is actually entitled, The Believers Form a Community. And that's why I wanted us to do that. Hi, how you doing? Because sometimes in community it can be a bit, we come in, we sing our songs, we get, listen to someone up here, we have our tea and coffee, you maybe say hi, small talk conversations and we leave. But there's something deeper about this community of believers which we're, we're, we're going to look at. Um, I love church. I really do. I really do love church. Um, and to give you an, a, 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 an illustration of, of what we're looking at this morning, there was, um, it was a few years ago now where um, Elizabeth and I were both invited to a place I never even thought I would get an invite to because it's just not me. We were invited, Craig, have you got that photograph of that building? Could you put it up for me? Uh, we got invited to this building here. And, and the first thing we both, I asked Elizabeth was, and this is for a guy to say this to his wife, was, what do you wear? <laughs> this, this is the Royal Ulster Yacht Club in Bangor. And we got invited one night by a good friend who's a member to have a, a meal with some people. And this is a very famous yacht club worldwide. This is where the America's Cup was first birthed, believe it or not, was down the road in Bangor, who knew that? But when you go even onto their website, when you go into the club itself, they have a lot of list of rules and regulations of how you meant to behave and dress code and... We remember there, one of the members who was wearing his member's jacket had took it off to, put, to have his meal and he was, someone came over and quietly tapped him on the shoulder and says, can you please put your, pack, your jacket back on, sir? That type of thing. The problem sometimes that we have is, and I think we have to own up at times and admit that we have got it wrong. Not, I'm talking about here, I'm talking about the church as a wider body, church with a capital C, is that the church has become something like this. We're really... Our early church DNA, which is what we've been looking at, looks more like this photograph. Craig, can you put up? This is a photograph from 1989, February 1989, 31 years ago this month. This is the Portrush lifeboat. Anybody remember the hurricane of 1989, February 1989? Uh, the lifeboat had to respond to a call of a Spanish trawler, which it came in the, uh, trouble in the Irish Sea, and they just, without thought, without hesitation, they set off in the hurricane in a search and rescue mission. This is our DNA as a church, as the church of Jesus Christ. This is the DNA of the early church in Acts 2 that I believe that we read about, is that we are destined and ordained to do search and rescue. But at times, we have become a little bit at times like a yacht club on the edge of the shore where the storm is raging, getting into debates and issues and falling out with people over colors of wall or decor or 
rules and regulations, dress codes, whatever it might be, where our real DNA is to go out in search and rescue. This was a short clip. Uh, we're in the middle, of, well, it's not really too bad now. Yesterday was Storm Dennis. Last week we had Storm Kira. Is that right? Is that the right way to pronounce it? Yeah. Th th this is a clip from last, last week in the, uh, up in Scotland where one of these lifeboats launched out and just without even thought and hesitation, they just go for it. They just go and reach the lost. Is it not working? There's a, we'll try and get it later for you at the end. It's a short clip. There's it there. Like, look at that. There's people in trouble. There's a world that needs saving. There's a city that needs reaching. That's search and rescue at its core. Not sitting in a nice little room looking out over the stormy waters, but to get out there and get into it. The um, Apostle Peter, when he's writing in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, he says these words, he says, as, we, as, you, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This idea that individual stones can come together to form something, where we have Jesus as our chief cornerstone, where we as individuals can gather together, not just on our own, but in connecting with each other in community, can form something that is absolutely incredible and amazing and ordained by God. Um, if you re keep reading on through First Peter, um, Peter has a lot of uh, comparisons to what happened to the children of Israel when they were set free from captivity in Egypt through Moses. Because when they were set free and they were released through, uh, from slavery from uh, the Egyptians, they head out, they cross the Red Sea, and they come to a mountain called Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 19, it says, you yourselves, in verses four to six, it says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be, be for me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. Here's that comparison, the kingdom of priests and the holy nation. These are the words you speak to the Israelites. Um, he saves, he rescues, he sets free the captives from slavery. They find themselves at the bottom of a mountain and they enter into a covenant, an, an, an agreement with God. They, agree, they have an agreement with God and this covenant is made between God and the children of Israel and they are of one accord again and we read it again and we don't have time to go into this morning but what happens in Acts 2 first happened at, the, at, the, at Mount Sinai is when they were all of one accord, when they were all in agreement, God's glory came down through wind and through fire on the top of the mountain. We read stories, and we don't have time to look at it this morning, of Moses who goes up into the, where the, the cloud of glory is. It's rested on top of the mountain. He um, has conversation with God, which is recorded the whole way through the book of Exodus. He actually sees a glimpse of God's glory. In fact, um, he asks God directly, can I look at your glory? I want to see your glory. And God actually says, no, it will kill you. But he allows his glory to pass by. And that was enough for Moses to know that he wouldn't do anything if it wasn't for the presence of God going and being with them. 
And this is very similar to what we read last week and what we looked at last week, when the, the, the disciples and the apostles were of one accord, in one mind, in one heart, were in that upper room, and the Holy Spirit came down and filled and empowered them to be his witnesses. But this is quite an, a, quite an audacious thing for Peter to refer to this Mount Sinai experience as for you and me as the church today, that we get to have access to that same presence, to that same glory that fell at Mount Sinai and in Acts chapter two, as we read last week. And these individuals, when they come together as a local church, when they come together as a community, as these living bricks, as if you're a brick and I'm a brick and they're a brick and there's a couple of hundred of us, maybe more than that in here this morning, and we form a community, this building is just a building. It services everything that we do. God doesn't live in the brickwork or the architecture of this building. He lives and abides in each and every one of his children who have followed him and put their trust in him. And we as a community can come, and don't get me wrong, as individuals, we can do stuff on our own. So for example, we can't, you can read your Bible on your own. I would encourage you to do that. It's incredible. When we get into the Bible and try and read it as best as we can, if you can do it every day, it always helps. This is God's breathed word through his Bible, through the scriptures that we get to read today, and it applies just the same as every day in our lives. And it's incredible. It's a good thing to do. There's loads of tools out there, online tools, apps. I love paperback. I'm being old school because it means I can't go and get distracted by the latest sports news that have just came in on a notification on an iPad or whatever. There's something about it. But the thing is, if I read it on my own, that's quite good. I can only go so far in it on my own. But if I read it with a group of fellow believers who are in community with me, who, who are my family, my greater church family, something happens. People look at it from a different perspective. The depth that gets, and the, the stuff that gets brought out of it through somebody, other people in the room, who maybe you're looking at it from a different way and you're like, wow, I never even realized that before. So we can do it on our own, but there's so much more when we do it together in community. There's so much more when we do it together in community as a family. Even, for example, listening to someone like me, a lot better than me, we can do it online, you can do it on YouTube, you can, do, you can listen back to this in your, in your car, we have a podcast every week that comes out, um, and you can, you can listen to it. And it might be okay, hopefully this one's you know, up there. But on your own, it's going to be okay. Now listen, the content's going to be the same as if you were here. The scriptures that I've read, the stories that I'll tell, the things that I'll try and bring out that I believe God's laid on my heart, you're going to listen to the same content. But there was just something about this morning that when we're here, when we sang that last song, which only came out last Friday, and it's just got so much depth to it. It was as if someone's been reading our mail for the last month and a half. Like, awaken our people, awaken your city. Like, who would have thought that came from California, right into Belfast, Northern Ireland, for right now? And not only that, when we're in community and we get to experience these things, this thing called church, we get, I get to look around the room and I get to see some people's faces who I know this time last year, they were nowhere near where they are now. 
And the journey that they've came on, the life transformation through coming to Jesus, through being transformed through his gospel, through becoming children of God, becoming disciples of Jesus, I almost don't want to look at them because I'll start to well up and blubber and I've got a bit of a history of doing that whenever I do these things. So I'm not going to do that. But it's amazing when we're in a room like that and we see transformed lives, worshiping Jesus, being community, being family, being the church, because there's something about it. And not only that, his presence is here with us. And we can experience his presence at home or in the car or in your workplace, whatever it might be. But there's something so special. There's something about that blessing that God commands when his children gather together. And this is a family this morning. I want to welcome you to my family. If you're, this is your first time here, I know some of you are here for the dedication. I want to welcome you to my family. We're a bit, we're not all 100%. <laughs> We've got our black sheep. No, I'm only joking. We've got the weird uncles. We've got the people who have came from absolutely brokenness, the absolute wholeness and knowing what it is to be a child of God. We've got people here who have followed Jesus for decades and who pray as if they prayed that first very prayer when they first came to Jesus and they've prayed like that for 50, 60 years plus. With people in our family here who have unbelievably walked out what it is to be a husband and be a wife and have cherished marriage and have somehow kept that honeymoon love that no matter what the world is throwing at them, they've committed to each other because they committed it to God. And we're just a family. We're not a yacht club. We're a family that's all about search and rescue. And he has empowered us through his Holy Spirit to go out into this amazing city that I love and that we love called Belfast. I have been a Belfast guy all my life. I grew up in East Belfast, up near the Braniel there. And I now live over in the north and I love coming back to the east because they are so nice. And I only say that because I haven't been able to get my wife persuaded yet to move to Port Stewart because the golf courses are nicer up there. But, <laughs> but this is Belfast. Belfast needs an awakening. Belfast needs an awakening of the Holy Spirit and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is only going to come when we as a family and our other cousins and family members across this city get on our knees as we're doing this week, as we enter into our 24 hours of prayer throughout the whole of this week, to say, come Holy Spirit, move and awaken this city. Do you know that in Belfast, since the, since the Good Friday Agreement was signed in 1996, we now have 104 peace walls, supposed peace walls, that still divide communities. I think that's wrong. I think the church has the answer, not the government. Definitely not storm out, but the church through the hope and light and life of Jesus Christ. Issues around mental health and suicide populate our news feeds more often than what they should. And if ever we have needed to cry out 
as we did in that last song, in the darkest night, he can light it up. It's now that we get on our knees and we say, Lord, light up our city through the gospel of Jesus, through an awakened people, through a community, through a family of believers. In Philip Yancey, a great author, says the earliest Christian church broke down barriers unlike any most other religions, Christians welcomed men and women alike. The Greeks excluded slaves from most social group groupings while Christians included them. The Jewish temples separated worshippers by race and by gender. Christians brought them together around the table. In contrast to Rome's mostly male aristocracy, the Christian church let women and the poor take leadership roles. By forming a community out of diverse members, we have the opportunity to capture the attention of this world and even the supernatural world and beyond. That's this church. That's the body of Christ. And you might be wondering, you know, where's your place in this? Your place is right here, right now. My place is right here, right now. Whatever it takes to go out into that world, into that storm, regardless of the conditions, to seek and to go after and search and rescue the lost. And you may be wondering, how, how can just a few of us be an example of that? Two, two quick stories. I have a friend who goes to a church, not in Belfast, but in another part of the country, not far from here, who wasn't a Christian, didn't follow Jesus. He, had, uh, he has a son who had the worst reputation in their town for drug abuse, for uh, robbery, for stealing. He tried to take his own life umpteen times. We had him share his story at our conference there a few months ago, and we put a picture up of his son on the screen, and I wouldn't even dream of putting it up in a room like this. Just broke your heart. And as a father of a son who was in desperate need of search and rescue, the only way he could get his son the help that he needed was to get him onto an organization called Teen Challenge. And he was told the only way you can get your son on the Teen Challenge is that you, your son and you have to be part of a local church and they were part of no church at all. But he just knew he had to do something to save his son's life. So he joined a, a church just that he knew one of the guys in who's a good friend of mine who works on our team. And he just said, look, can we just be part of this to get my son to help me? Absolutely, come in. And the son got sent off on the Teen Challenge they managed to get him off the drugs, they managed to get him off the alcohol, they managed to get him where he just gave his life to Jesus and he's now telling other people about the life transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing so many lives transform. But do you know what the key to that was? Because his dad had to be part of a family of believers, he ended up coming to what was our conference a couple of years ago with a few of the guys out of the church and in front of about 400 men in the room came down and surrendered his life to Jesus when we made an altar call. And I have to be honest with you, I've never done it this way before in here. I only do this whenever I'm doing my CVM thing. If you've never been to one of our conferences before, girls, this is the way we do it. We say, if you want to give your life to Jesus, this is the best decision that you could ever take. But I have to warn you, this will cost you everything. 
This will hit your wallet, this will hit your time, this will hit the, the future of your life that you think you've got laid out before you. God's got a better plan for you. When you come to Jesus, you're gonna have a target on your back when you walk out of here. But not only that, whenever you make this decision, you will be welcomed home by brothers in the room who will cheer you home like never before. And we invite them to walk to the front, not just play some music over the background and ask them to put their hand up when nobody else is looking, but we ask them to come to the front and shake someone's hand and they'll get welcomed into the kingdom. And this guy, uh, Terry, who's a great mate of mine, comes walking up, tears just broken, like unbelievable, just coming to Jesus. And that was the result then of him and his family coming to find Jesus and his son finding the help that he needed through the gospel of Jesus Christ from darkness into light. And it was because he had a community of people who welcomed him just as he was and helped him find the help that he needed. In 1856, a woman, an elderly woman called Mrs. McConville visited Northern Ireland here from England. She came with some friends to do what was the old school, house-to-house evangelism. She returned home to England downheartened after not seeing much of a breakthrough. Yet it turned out that one of the guys called James McQuilkin had come to Jesus through a conversation that he had with Mrs. McConville at his workplace in Ballymena. James, every week, James every weekend returned home from Ballymena to Kells. And under the influence of his local pastor, he gathered together with three other recently converted friends of his who had recently came to Jesus. They didn't know what to do. They had found this newfound life that was within them. This excitement of what it is to follow Jesus. And they gathered together on a weekly basis in a small hall, not far, just up the road from them in Kales, and they began to pray for their friends. They believed that when you pray to God, God answers. And they brought the names of them, and they'd done this for month after month after month. After about four or five months, one of their friends came to Jesus. And they're just thinking like, wow, this works. <laughs> you know, we pray, we ask, we ask God to move, and then it works. Slowly but surely, other people began coming to Jesus through four guys, four individual living stones who come together and form a community as four living stones, and he is the chief cornerstone, Jesus. And all of a sudden, more and more people start coming to Jesus. This was the beginning of the 1859 revival in Kells. Now, if you have never known this before, back then there was 300,000 people living in Northern Ireland. That was our total population. Do you know how many people came to faith through the 1859 revival in Kells, which started with an old lady coming over from England and this one guy and his four mates coming to Jesus and starting to pray for their town and their city to awake? How many people came to Jesus? 100,000 people, a third of the population of Northern Ireland. A third of the population of Northern Ireland. And this is our legacy that we get to stand on today. This is our legacy and our inheritance that we get to walk in. Let's stand. The guys are going to come up and join me. Um, I think... uh, We're going to do that last one again because there's just something epic about it. Um, 
but our city needs desperately awakened. And this was God's plan for the early church. And I would encourage you, we haven't celebrated um, communion this week. We normally do this uh, uh, most weeks in the month, apart from one Sunday in the month. Uh, And we're not doing it this morning because what we're going to do is I'm going to read this to you again and you're going to realize that we're going to do it slightly different this week. This was the DNA for search and rescue. This was the DNA of the early church. That all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. I'm going to read that again because we could spend a month on it. That's a challenge right there. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So this week or next week, if you're part of a connect group in UT Belfast, I wanna invite you to celebrate and share communion together as a meal. In your home, in your place where you you do it. If you're not part of a connect group and you wanna find out how to do that come and see us afterwards and we'll help you with that but this is with the beginning of the early church where in each other's homes they're celebrating communion they're celebrating this is what Jesus done for us this is the price that he paid for us by dying on the cross did you not only know that he just died but he rose again from the dead and he's coming back again soon this is awesome this is excitement we get to do this all they do all of this while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. The people of the community had of the city had goodwill towards the Christians because they were just this explosion of love and generosity and compassion that they weren't seeing anywhere else. Not from the government, not from those of authority, but a, an explosion of love and compassion through the local church. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Lord, would you do that again in our time? Not next week, not next year, not next decade, but do it now. We're going to go back and we're going to sing this song, God of Revival. If If you're here this morning and this is all being like a... I get what you're thinking. If you'd love, if there's something working in you inside of you, you're just thinking, I gotta find out more about this. We're here. We'd love to chat with you. We normally we've got tea, coffee, and last week it was cookies. There's probably donuts or something this week, so don't rush off. Would maybe love you to come back again and think could, this could be a place I could feel that I belong. Because loneliness is a huge killer in our society. That's another thing that we need to go after and destroy. 
with love and compassion as the church. So we'd love to welcome you back here anytime, any week. There's no demands at the door of what way you have to be. Just come and be normal, be yourself. For us as the church, as our family, could we pray this like never before for God of revival to come and to pour it out and to pour it out and to pour it out. Could we pray for him to awaken us as he awakens this city? Could we pray for every stronghold to be broken down? Could we pray and believe that suicide is a stronghold over the city and our young people and our young men in particular be torn down and broken down? Could we pray that the stronghold of mental health and depression and anxiety, that a joy explosion could happen across this city in Jesus' name? Could we pray for an outpouring of compassion and generosity to those who are deeply in need in our city happen today in Jesus' name? So God of revival, come. Come and move. Come and power. Come and fire. Stir up every individual life stone in this place. Forgive us, Lord, when we have got the community of the church so wrong. Forgive us for when we've made big issues out of small and significant things that don't really matter at the end of the day. Get us back to our DNA core of search and rescue no matter what. May we go on this adventure of search and rescue to this lost and broken city and beyond with you. Come and move, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.